This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I am Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We are broadcasting out of Washington, D.C., and it's Wednesday, which means it's time for Chip Chat with journalist Chip Gibbons. Hey, Chip. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. It's been a while since we uh, discussed um, snacks on the show. We've been uh, dealing with you know more important issues, but I just wanted to uh, let the listeners in on something that uh, I recently discovered. I've, I've moved in the last few weeks, which means my new grocery store is a Harris Teeter. It's no longer a Safeway. And um, let me just say... Harris Teeter is a union busting company. God damn and it. So is Safeway. Not, well, <clears throat> Safeway workers have a union. No, oh, did they? You, you, yeah, UFCW yeah. Local 400. Damn. All right. I mean, in the DC area, that's what it is. But they are, I think, throughout the country, they're uh, represented by UFCW. Well, I'm a shithead. Well, whatever. Don't, 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 don't beat up on yourself too much. I mean, I can't, it's, I don't have a choice. Uh, this is the grocery store across the street from me. So unless I want to start like traveling, uh, during, during this pandemic to other grocery stores, anyways, uh, I've been trying to eat healthier, healthier snacks. It's good. And, uh, so I've been eating some raisins, you know, I've been, if, if I'm getting a little hungry, instead of reaching for the, uh, the paws, the Cheeto paws, I've been reaching for some raisins to eat. And, uh, I discovered these strawberry flavored raisins <laughs> at the grocery it, store. What? They're not just raisin to strawberries. They're no. Strawberry flavored raisins. They're strawberry flavored raisins. Um, and they're not so bad. They're grapes. They're they're, they're strawberry flavored grapes. Is that what well, they are? I guess a rate what's a raisin a dried grape? Yeah. Well right? Isn't yeah. it? I thought it yeah, was it I thought it was yeah. a prune, or is that is that something else? Prune is a plum, isn't it? Right? A raisin is a dried grape. That's what I've always been taught in life. I don't know. Maybe maybe everything I learned was a lie in school. Hey, look, all three of us are talking about something we don't know anything about. No, no, I fucking knew. Podcasting, baby. Dried grape until you started being like, is it a dried grape? And I just Googled it. It is a dried grape. I have no idea what a prune is, and I'm not going to Google that. We've gone far enough with drying a fruit. Fair enough, fair enough. But uh, I just thought that was interesting. They have strawberry-flavored raisins now. I guess they're just raisins that are, like, soaked in strawberry flavoring. Mm. Uh, I had been snacking but i've recently gotten really into making roasted potatoes mm. um, and then cutting them up recipe called for quarters but i found the quartered pieces did not cook well enough and i've been using like olive oil thyme ro thyme rosemary uh parsley garlic and paprika to to season them and i've been having them with some uh poached salmon and uh sauteed kale <laughs> Nice. What do you, you put them in the oven? Yeah. Yeah. I put them, I put, yeah, I put, I put the olive oil and the various rosemary and I guess thyme, thyme. I don't know how to pronounce any of these seasonings. It's thyme. <laughs> Paprika, garlic, and then, yeah, in the oven. I uh, recently acquired an air fryer. Sam Knight has one, yes. I think. And I've been yes. putting potatoes in that thing. And okay. let me just say it's well worth it. Um, yes. It's fast and easy and comes out really good 
Yeah, I made uh, chicken tendies in mine for the first time a few days ago, and it is a total game changer. Yeah. I really like how I'm like, you know, on these chats, like eating like poached salmon and kale, and you guys are like, I'm frying chicken tenders up in my house. But it's an air well, fryer. Until until Sam brought up the air fryer, my uh, snack chat this week was going to be encouraging people to buy apples because it's apple season and nothing like uh, nothing like some fruit that is in season. It's just delicious. True. In addition, it's also the Jewish New Year in which people like to dunk apples in honey. Another really good snack. Okay. Very delicious. That's right. Should, okay. Should be done year round, except then that would make the new year less sweet by comparison. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I guess we should uh, move on now to some of the news from this week. Uh, not much. What's news this week? Was there news <laughs> this week? I, I only heard about potatoes and air frying. Well, uh, I'm about to enlighten you here, Chip. Okay. This okay. week, the uh, the Trump administration, the uh, Department of Justice, little it can do little to surprise me these days, considering I'm just fully, fully aware that we are on the road to fascism here under Donald Trump. But uh, uh, issuing a um, a proclamation, basically, that uh, three major American cities, New York City, Seattle, and Portland are now anarchist jurisdictions. Chip, what's going on here? That's a really great question, and I I, I wish I knew the answer to what the fuck is going on here. Uh, You know, Donald Trump and Barr are trying to tout this narrative that there's both this sort of surge in crime in the country, as well as these sorts of lawless protests, and they sort of tend to conflate the two, right? If you look at the... uh, memo that authorizes this sort of anarchist jurisdiction category. It both conflates like number of like shooting deaths in New York, which are up, though I would note that per Forbes, uh, the total number of shoot of homicides in New York City in 1990 is greater than the number of homicides in the 25 largest cities right now. So crime is still, you know, at record lows, but when you're at lows and you, you fluctuate, uh, those numbers look kind of scary when you look at, oh, it's an X percent increase. Uh, but, you know, this is this sort of longtime Trump narrative. They had lawlessness in the cities. Now they have this sort of conflated with the protesters. And, and the anarchist jurisdiction business is, you know, one, a way to deny federal funding to people who they perceive as their political enemies and to another way to sort of float this sort of bizarre narrative about like cities are under siege from rioters and looters and, and all kinds of sort of, you know, organized anarchist criminal elements. Um, I mean, most legal experts say that what Trump is doing is unconstitutional. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't even know what this looks like in practice, but it, it is, it is disturbing because it's pretty clear that, you know, you have the Trump administration going to war with democratically elected cities, democratically elected politicians, many of which are quite centrist and pro-police, sort of, you know, arguing that they're not pro-police enough. 
And you basically have this sort of mantra where like local police are, are like a deep state that sort of no elected official is allowed to tamper with. You saw this in uh, the Florida bill that's being proposed that cracks down on protests. It also, I believe, either imposes penalties or um, uh, limits funding to cities that quote unquote defund the police. What does defunding the police mean? I, I, I don't really know in this context. We're talking about like making budget decisions, right? So now, and they're big on attacking progressive prosecutors who in many cases are elected. So there's this sort of like worldview where you can never elect anyone, either a mayor or a prosecutor or a city council member who would do anything to lessen the police budget or sort of decrease the power of police over people's everyday lives. We're not even talking like abolition, we're talking some pretty, pretty just basic reform stuff. And and the the mindset behind this is that those decisions are somehow inherently illegitimate and it allows a, a third party to intervene and nullify them. And it's it, it really is like police and war on crime as deep state, basically, if that analogy makes sense. <laughs> So there's, um, I believe the legal doctrine is called, um, well, I don't know if doctrine is the right word, but <clears throat> basically what I'm trying to say is that courts have usually said that uh, restrictions on funding and withholding various funds uh, are, it, it's only okay if, if you're doing something um, if, if you have a policy outcome in mind that's germane to the funding itself, and the classic example is this, is okay. transportation funding versus the drinking age at 21. And I think that's how the Reagan administration got all the states to raise their drinking age to 21 was to tie to transportation funding. Um, so it would be one thing if the Trump administration was saying that, oh, you know, uh, in New York, Portland, and Seattle, they don't believe in... Uh, money for the police. So we're going to withhold all this federal uh, money to police departments. Like in, in a certain way, that'd be like, well, who actually gives a shit? The mission accomplished sort of. Uh, but yeah, the fact it, that it basically amounts the fact to a, calling, it basically amounts to a $7 billion cut to the NYPD or something, the New York budget. But, but if that was all they were doing, that would be one thing. But the fact that they're you know, dressing it up in this anarchist jurisdiction, um, red scare rhetoric, red scare, black scare, whatever, um, red and black scare. Um, you know, that is obviously incredibly troubling. Yeah. And I believe with the first affordable care act decision, there was, um, something in there about, about funding with the Medicaid expansion. I'm, I'm blanking on what it was off the top of my head. It's been a while since I've, I've read that decision. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, most legal experts who have been polled or asked about this by the media have said that, you know, this is, this is unconstitutional. I, I don't know if this is going anywhere. These types of stunts uh, uh, sometimes I think are, are just that stunts they're designed for, you know, you know, yeah. uh, political political posturing. I wonder. I wonder if the focus on anarchists um, reflects the 
the an acknowledgement of the popularity of socialism these days in the sense that like previously you'd expect this sort of rhetoric and attacks to be lodged at communist and socialists given our national history not that you know anarchists have not also been uh vilified throughout our history but pretty much the the primary target has been anarchists and socialists but you know we following the run of Bernie Sanders and more and more young people identifying as socialists, it's almost like it's not even worth trying to fearmonger about socialists anymore. Uh, the right is making that calculation. Do you see that at all? Or yeah. No? I, um, I mean, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, I feel like a lot of this language seems very anachronistic and a lot of things that Trump has consistently done has been like pulling from weird right-wing demagogue playbooks throughout history. You know, when he first started on the 2016 campaign trail about like no law and order in the cities, it sounded like we were listening to George Wallace or Richard Nixon or someone like that. And it, it just didn't seem to make sense in this time frame when, you know, crime was at record lows. Uh, there was a popular movement away from harsh criminal penalties and now they've just come up with like the anarchists are coming and it sounds like it's like 1905 or something yeah it's probably more likely they will uh they'll just send uh the the police after socialists and call the socialists anarchists sure 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 i mean i mean i don't i don't i don't think i mean the term anarchist socialist communist has really great fungibility in terms of of what they mean to the authorities if you look at the fbi's um what was that called anarchist extremism primer from 2010 the weather underground is listed as an as a uh, anarchist extremist organization you know, and anarchist extremists are defined as people who are influenced by anti-capitalist, anti-globalist. I believe they mean anti-globalization, though I'm not sure, and anti-urbanist urbanization uh, philosophies. So certainly if you are a, a socialist, you know, that falls under under there. And, and you know, in earlier congressional testimony from the early 20, 21st century, and both in the lead up and right after 9-11, uh, the phrase socialist and anarchist extremist is used as a subcategory of the category left-wing terrorists, which were broken into the groups socialist and anarchist extremist as one category, and then Puerto Rican nationalist extremist as the other category. You know, how how does that grouping make sense? I don't know. The FBI has changed their their groupings over the years of who are the domestic extremist movements. I've heard people uh, speculate online that this could be a precursor to some funny business on Election Day with the administration claiming that, like, we shouldn't be counting votes from certain cities because they're under anarchist jurisdiction and thus can't be trusted to correctly count votes. Do you see this? I I don't see how that follows from this logically. I mean, I think we can anticipate some sort of, uh, you know, attempts to interfere in the democratic process by the Trump administration or by like auxiliary right wing, you know, non-state forces. I think we should be prepared for that. How you prepare for that, I, 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 I don't know. I don't think the anarchist jurisdiction memo 
creates any sort of legal basis for not counting the votes from those cities. Well, they're also pretty, pretty safely blue states, so it wouldn't really matter. You'd think that uh, perhaps he'd go after Kenosha or something. If you took Seattle out of Washington, Portland out of Oregon, and New York out of New York, would they still be solidly blue states? Uh, that's a good point. I, I don't, I'm not sure. <laughs> you might be giving them. Uh, well, I don't. I don't want to give anyone ideas. Cause I, I don't think they've thought this through like that. Um, but... <laughs> Hello, Stephen Miller, listening to Chip Chat. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, you saw the Roger Stone comments to uh, Alex Jones about how Trump should invoke the Insurrection Act on Election Day and have yeah. the FBI seize all the ballots in Nevada. <laughs> Would you make of the uh of the testimony last week in the uh hearing oh, with Congress, 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 why why do they torture me so? Uh as my opening comment, I am just going to say as as a nonpartisan equal opportunity critic, uh, that no one asked you well first of all I, what we're talking about is last week, the Homeland Security Committee had a hearing on threats to the global homeland. Uh, Chad Wolf was supposed to testify, but refused to show up. Christopher Ray of the FBI did show up. Uh, under the National Intelligence Authorization Act from, from last year, both the FBI and the DHS are supposed to be turning over uh, information about their domestic terrorist operations to to a number of congressional committees, including the Homeland Security ones. Uh, Benny Thompson had indicated he was going to raise this issue during the hearing. The FBI has not complied within the time frame. I, I don't believe it was raised. Um, but that being said, it's really abundantly clear from the hearing that neither the Democrats nor the Republicans on the committee have any idea how the FBI works, and they're supposed to be 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 overseeing it, right? We had repeated questions from both, I don't know, Democrats and Republicans, like, does the FBI consider this a domestic terrorism group or not? And, you know, Ray had to repeatedly respond, you know, the FBI does not, does not mark groups as domestic terrorism groups. And it seems like if you were in charge of overseeing FBI domestic terrorism policy, you would you would you would you would know that. I mean, first of all, in the FBI's own internal language doesn't use the phrase domestic terrorist. It uses the phrase extremism. Uh, there's a congressional uh, research service report that talks about why they use that that label and not the other one. It seems like someone on Congress should in charge of oversight should know this. Um, and then the other thing he got pushback for, from Ray did perversely uh, was the Republicans kept asking him if he considers Antifa to be a domestic terrorist organization. You know, FBI doesn't label things domestic terrorist organizations, but but Ray kept coming back with like Antifa or Antifa. I'm not really sure how it's pronounced. Is is not an organization. It's an ideology, and he's been saying this since 2017. And he always goes on and says, "We have a bunch of anarchist extremism investigations into people inspired by Antifa ideology, but like we cannot investigate Antifa as an organization when it isn't one." And this started this really weird Republican talking point that like 
Christopher Ray is covering up for Antifa and Trump Trump joined in on it on Twitter and there's just all these Republicans now who think like the FBI is part of the deep state and the deep state's main role is like defending, you know, Antifa for some reason when really, you know, Ray was wasn't even really like saying no, we're not doing political policing against Antifa, but just being like, we're not doing it within that framework. Here's how we're doing it. And I guess the people in, on the congressional committee in charge of overseeing the FBI can't be bothered to learn how the FBI works enough to understand what Ray is saying. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty funny how whenever we get Mark Zuckerberg or some tech CEO uh, before a congressional committee, and inevitably you get a question from a lawmaker who doesn't know how email works or whatever, or doesn't know how to uh, uh, open a PDF. And uh, that sparks all this commentary about how no one in Congress knows how tech works. Well, guess what? They don't know how the FBI works either. Yeah. So. And I and I, I think it's I think it's that's a great analogy. I think the disparate public reactions are because like most of the public doesn't understand how this opaque bureaucracy works. And I don't I don't expect like people on the street to be like, no, the FBI wouldn't open a domestic terrorism investigation. They'd open a classific a classification 100 terrorism investigation. Uh, enterprise investigation, racially motivated, violent extremism, black in, in, into this group, right? I don't expect like, you know, normal people to know these things, but as someone who knows a, a little bit about the FBI, you might say, uh, the, the lack of understanding is like on par with like the internet is a big, not a big truck. It's a series of tubes, right? It's that level of right. The, the internet is not a big truck. In fact, that series is, of, yes. Series of tubes. Not something you can just dump a whole bunch of things on. There's this company and they're sending uh, mail in the movies. Sending mail in the movies. And now they want to send mail over the internet. And the tubes get clogged. And nine o'clock, my staffer sent me, sent me an internet. And I did not get it till Thursday. Do you know why that is? It clogged. It clogged. Yes, I believe that is pretty as close as the verbatim as you're going to get to that. That, but no, and it is really just just sort of like disappointing that you know even people on the committee who are trying to ask the right questions and get the right answers are like not able to do so because they don't ask the question in a way that would actually get at what the FBI is doing, and it just allows Ray to come back with. We don't investigate. We don't label groups domestic terrorists, right? Like, I mean, these, you, these people are just concerned about the Antifa money trail, okay? They just want to follow the money when it comes to Antifa. That was one of the exchanges. Like, how can you say they're an ideology when they're buying high-powered lasers? And it's just, I don't even know where to start with that, right? Like, I, I mean, do you have- I didn't any, get my Antifa laser. You have to be, I mean, first of all, what is a high, is this like a death ray? Like, is that what they're doing? Or is this like a, like the laser pointer I got for my cat? At, uh, it's, it's, it's the stuff that uh, allegedly blinded three officers that we never heard about again. 
Listen, if you're in the Antifa uh, processing center and you're sending out these packages to people, please DM me because I did not get my high-powered laser. Good luck. Good luck getting in touch with them. I still have not gotten my uh, expense reports checks in the mail yet from Antifa, so they got to get their shit together at main, at main HQ. But on a more serious note, the disturbing I'm dead process- serious. I, okay. Uh, the disturbing <laughs> prospect here is like, is Trump and various Republicans closing in on Ray because they don't think he's being blatant enough in his repression of the protest? And do they want like this show trial of like the Antifa laser pointer purchasing committee? And that would be a really extremely, um, disturbing scenario for a number of reasons because first the FBI is 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 doing you know fairly good political repression right now I would say uh, is, is that a defense of them I, I I don't I don't know I feel I feel very weird being like actually Donald Trump FBI should get, you know get get a plus for 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 repression right now um not a great argument but then if the alternative is like this totally like fictitious like pursuing this fictitious plot you know what's the consequences of that and you know on on the one hand from like the perspective of a rational secret police like pursuing nonsense like you know antifa is an organization that buys lasers as opposed to opening like classification 100 terrorist enterprise investigations into anarchist extremists inspired by antifa is like a waste of time and and resources and and won't really potentially accomplish much of anything so i don't know it's it's pretty pretty frightening Uh, i'm feeling you know i oscillate on this chit chat program between you know great optimism and great pessimism i've been sort of pessimistic for the last month or so um response to COVID, response to the george floyd protest pretty dark stuff and uh that probably explains why you've been eating so many roasted potatoes lately chip i don't feel like i eat an excessive number of potatoes (laughs) and i do think they were part of a balanced dinner since i had also poached salmon and that is one of the healthiest ways to prepare a salmon uh i had kale um so i'm not going to be made to feel guilty about eating potatoes chip gibbons journalist the policy director over at defending rights and dissent also the host of the podcast still spying which is still churning out new episodes Yes, it is. It's a limited podcast series, but we are continuing to produce episodes. Our most recent episode is on exposing FBI surveillance today. We talked to Elice Spere of The Intercept, who's written a number of great articles uh, on FBI and local police surveillance of activists, uh, mostly Black Lives Matter movements. And we discussed you know, her reporting, the role of FOIA requests in it, the role of whistleblowers, as well as the fate of FBI whistleblower Terry Albury, who many people listening might not know, was an FBI whistleblower. He was the only uh, black agent at, I think it was the, the Minneapolis uh, field office, and was disturbed by by the racism he witnessed. So he 
you know, leaked a bunch of documents and he was indicted under the Espionage Act and is currently in prison for espionage because giving domestic news sources information about what the domestic police are doing is, is a lot like being a spy. Well, I encourage everybody to check that out. Chip, thanks so much for uh, joining us again, and uh, let's do this next week. I will. <laughs>